0: This is a free download from Delancey Elam
1: Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10:30 a.m. in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Banks Saint Sampson's, in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more
0: information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.
2: To Joanne Cash and uh, Dr. Harry Yates. Welcome this morning. Uh, as we know, Joanne is the brother of Johnny Cash. I was thinking actually the first Christian seed I ever got was Gospel Road actually. So that had an impact of I it. Mean, so it's great. So we particularly feel very privileged you're here among us. You've had an incredible busy few weeks but we're really great you're here today. And they pastor a church in Nashville. So another incredible time there. Uh, so Dr. Yates, we appreciate you as well being here among us. So over to you guys. Thank you so much. let welcome this morning. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. I found out when I came to this part of the world that y'all have an accent. I know that I talk different from you, but you know what? Doesn't matter what part of the world we're from, if we have Jesus in our heart, we're family. And our eternity family is the most important kind of family. Um, this happens to be today, our daughter Rhonda's birthday, and I just text her to wish her a happy birthday wish. And she's at that terrible age of 50. She thinks she's very old. I said, the best is yet to come. So thank you for having us in your church today. And uh, remember, our church service in Nashville, Uh, we pastor a church of 4 to 600 in the Opryland music part of Nashville. And we see souls saved in our part of the country as well as you do here. Thank you, dear. This is my husband of 41. 41. Years. My husband says there are two secrets to a happy marriage. Yes,
2: dear. (laughs) Two
0: bathrooms. Yes, dear, and two bathrooms. But we made a commitment to the Lord when we were married that we would always put him first. And we have our daily devotion together every morning for many years. And he's the one, he's the one that's the most important. And if we have him in our lives and allow him to lead us, everything else will fall into place. I found that out many years ago. I've recorded many CDs, and uh, this was on one of my recent CDs. It's a song. I was raised on a 40-acre cotton farm in northeast Arkansas. Anybody ever see cotton growing? No? You didn't miss a whole lot. This is one of the songs that my brother Johnny Cash and myself and our family would sing as we worked in the cotton fields. And then round my mom's <clears throat> old upright piano, you know the upright pianos. Y'all know what that means? We'd sing at night before we went to bed, and that was our quote, entertainment. We'd sing gospel music. And this is one of the songs that we sang in church. Around my mother's piano, and in the cotton fields, and it's a song that Johnny and June made so did so beautifully, and our daughter Rhonda sings on this one, the one that today's her birthday, and also my brother Tommy, since Johnny's gone to heaven, and he sounds a lot like Johnny. You'll see. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? What a glorious song that is. Go ahead. As we stand in Nashville Up on the sound, please A little bit more Were you there When they crucified My Lord Were you there When they crucified my
1: Lord, oh, sometimes
0: it causes me to tremble. Were you there when they crucified, my Lord? Were you there when they nailed Him to the cross? go to so many different kinds of climates, sometimes it messes with my throat. throat) But the Lord has always seen us through many things over the years. The, The first time I ever heard this song, Johnny was singing it in our church. We pastor a church, and my husband will tell you about it, called Nashville Cowboy Church. You say, what in the world is a cowboy church? is a very real and powerful church but you can come dressed in your cowboy boots your cowboy hats and your western clothes and say yee-haw. everybody turn to somebody and say yee-haw. yeehaw you just talk southern <laughs> anyway johnny sang this song in our church and he told me one time he said you need to sing that song he always called me baby because I'm next to youngest of seven in the Cash family, so I'm the baby sister. So Johnny always called me Baby. He said, Baby, sing that song. I said, Okay, I will. And it's called God's Hands. We have to learn to put our problems in His hands. It's a hard thing to learn, but once you learn it, He can take care of it very easily. Hit it, Jethro. (laughs) Many times over the years, people ask me what was Johnny's favorite song and what was my favorite song. And I think I'd be pretty right if I said it's the same gospel song. Johnny always wanted to be a gospel singer, and when he began to be a star, what we call an overnight sensation, his producer said, I don't want you to sing gospel, I want you to sing country because it will sell better. But guess what? Over the years, Johnny recorded many gospel albums because that was his heart. This one is, is the favorite song, I believe, of him and of myself for sure. He wrote this song in Jerusalem, Israel. Johnny loved Israel, and we pray every day for Israel and that God will bring peace to Jerusalem and bless the Jewish people to know who Jesus is. This song is called When He Comes, and Johnny introduces it on the CD. So listen to his words of what the song meant to him.
1: I was in Jerusalem, standing on the Mount of Olives myself, actually in a hotel, facing the the eastern wall, the gate called Golden. Got up one morning about daylight and pulled the curtains, and there was a whole city of Jerusalem. As the sun came up behind me, The sunlight hit that wall and that golden gate, and it actually looked like it turned to gold. And a chill went all over me. And I was thinking, I may be standing in the very spot that he will return to on the Mount of Olives. And the song just kind of welled up in me and flowed out. And just a few minutes, I had it written, When He Comes.
0: He's coming back. And I believe it's very... get you. Jesus loves you. came into my heart October the eighteenth, nineteen seventy. I was in a life of drugs and alcohol, and my life was so messed up, so very messed up. I thought there was no hope for me. I don't think I was any worse than the next sinner, but I, I thought to myself that how can God love me? I came into a church in Nashville, Tennessee, on that Sunday morning. Uh, A lady had been inviting me over and over and over. And I would go to church with her, and then I would run away because the enemy had lied to me to make me think that I was too bad for Jesus to love. What a lie of the enemy. I don't know if there's anyone here today that has felt that before. But let me assure you how very, very much Jesus loves you. He loves me. I don't think we can understand the tremendous love that God has for us. The Bible says God is love. He doesn't just do love. He is love. He created love. And when a pastor told me, Joanne, Jesus loves you, I said, are you sure? Because I didn't know. And when he he said, yes, Jesus loves you. And he led me through to the sinner's prayer. And when I asked Christ to come into my heart that day, he totally, Jesus totally set me free of the drugs and the sin and the alcohol that had so bound my life. And I felt like I could fly. And I've been free ever since. I haven't had any of those drugs or any alcohol since 1970. On that Sunday morning when the Lord saved, my, saved me and delivered me and set me free and forgave me, there was a youth leader in the church, and his name is Harry Yates. He was laughing. I thought he was laughing at me that day, but he was laughing with joy because the youth program people had been praying for me for six months, and I didn't even know them. And they were laughing with joy because I finally came. So uh, my husband and I went on a Holy Land tour with our church a few months later, and we fell in love in Tel Aviv, Israel. Everybody say, ah. Uh. And we came back home two months later, and we're married December 27, 1971. And we've been married 41 years. <laughs> so I want to sing one last song, and I thank you so much for having us today. It's all about Jesus. Johnny came in the studio and recorded this song with me. He called me baby, and he'd come in the studio, and he said, what you doing, baby? I said, I'm singing. Get on the microphone and record with me. He said, what are you singing? I said, you'll know it when the music starts. So you'll know it when the music starts. I want you to sing with Johnny and with me amazing grace and give God the glory
1: The Lord has used this song
2: How about another hand for Joanne? All right. Well, I'm glad to be here. You glad to be here? I just want you all to know I'm going to do something today I have never done in my whole life. It's a surprise. Are you worried? (laughs) Actually, in... in, uh, yeah, I'm 70. I just turned 70 in August, and I uh, <clears throat> I'm not much for like uh, all this new technology and stuff. How many of you kind of like me? You're not too much for all that. You don't do very well with it. You might get your email and use the telephone, but you know they drug me kicking and screaming into this kind of communication stuff. But I'm actually going to preach using one of these guys. I'm getting I'm getting techno techno Savvy. That's the right word. Thank you whoever ever said that. Yeah. I don't think so. But we'll see. But anyway, we are glad to be here. I just want to quickly tell you, we are having a wonderful time uh, in England. And we had a, we've had a great time here in Guernsey. And we fly out today to go back to Jersey. And then we go from there. And we have a service there tonight. And then we go to uh, Birmingham. And we... Now, see, if we're in the south, in Alabama, it's Birmingham. You know, Birmingham, Alabama. You know, it takes you three days to say it. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's out in L.A., lower Alabama. Okay? But anyway, this is an amazing thing. Uh, I, I, Lord and I were talking the other day, and I said, Lord, you could have done all of this when I was 40 instead of when I'm 70. I'd have felt much more like doing it, you know. This body, The problem with me is I've got this 15-year-old spirit in this 70-year-old body. <laughs> Anybody else relate? Man, the spirit says, you can do it. and The body says, yeah, but not today. (laughs) You know, so you got to. But anyway, they just finished a a movie on Joanne's life, a documentary movie. And uh, uh, but uh, it's not even been been released yet. Uh, It's a full length feature movie. And um, it's an amazing story, as you heard part of it here today. So there's a lot of stuff that God's doing in our life i tell you quickly, because I, I looked at some of y'all when she said something about a Nashville cowboy church. You wanted to kind of know what that was like. It's like this. It's just the presence of Jesus doing what he wants to do. But uh, I, was, I was raised on a ranch in Texas, and, and uh, I've always been a cowboy. This is not my normal dress. My normal dress are boots and hats and all that. But unfortunately, I don't like carrying my Stetson on any airplane because they mash it, you know. So, but anyway, but um, um, our church is very unique in that uh, we actually video stream live. If you want to know what our church is like, you can watch it this afternoon at 4 o'clock live. Just get on your computer. Go to NashvilleCowboyChurch.com and push the video broadcast, and it will be live, as if you were there in Nashville. We would be watching it, except we will be flying at that time. So... If you have got a computer, you want to try to tune it in. Do that. It's just go to nashvillecowboychurch.com and push the video broadcast and see if you can get it. Anyway, but uh, hopefully you'll do that. But it's a very unique church. We are we're all about winning souls. It's what it's it's just who we are. And uh, we just uh, we have folks from all over the world who come there. We have probably, as Joanne told you, we run between four and six hundred on Sunday morning. Probably 300, 350 of them are first-time visitors every Sunday morning from all over the world. So uh, God's been good to us, and uh, uh, we're on the big uh, country station as well, uh, uh, WSM for folks who listen to the Grand Ole Opry. You know, you know what the Grand Ole Opry is, okay? And uh, you can get us. But it's all that. You know what that matters? It matters nothing except that Jesus is alive and well. And we get to spread his name around the world. They tell us, I always like using that, they tell us. How many of you know, who knows who they are? They always tell you they said this and they said that. And nobody ever tells you who they are. But anyway, they tell us that we reach probably 250 million people every Sunday uh, with our radio and, and video stream and all that. But you know what? It's all about one. His name is Jesus. Amen. Anyway, that's all the all the commercial stuff. If you brought a Bible, I want you to open it, if you will, to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter um, sixty-one. I love the I love Isaiah. It's just it's just the 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 uh, book of Isaiah can actually be called a mini Bible in itself because it talks about everything from the beginning all the way through the, the The Chapter 55 is one of the great gospel. You know, it should have been in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, right? Because it tells everything about Jesus long before Jesus ever came to the earth. But here in chapter 61 of of Isaiah, beginning at verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. I love that. Don't you just get disturbed when people are talking about bad news? Don't you, aren't you sick of bad news? You know, I don't have any bad news for you today. If you came to hear about all the problems in the world, you're not going to hear about them. I'm going to tell you about the solver of all the problems in the world. His name is still Jesus. I love this. The Lord has known me to preach good stuff. Good tidings. Here's the good news. Jesus is alive and well. He's coming back to get us. And all we got to do is accept that and we get to go. Pretty simple. Wow. When the angels showed up and when Jesus uh, was born, when the angels showed up, what was it? What was it they told the shepherds? I'm bringing good tidings of great joy. That unto you this day is born the Savior. And he can be born in your heart today. Anyway, uh, let me get through reading the scripture. <clears throat> he anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. I love that. People are always trying to bind something up. To proclaim liberty to the captives. And that's also another... Uh, church gets that kind of backwards because they say you got, you got to come to church and you got to do everything you got to do and you can't do nothing. Well, is that liberty? I mean, are we free or are we not free? You know, Jesus set us free. Now, that doesn't mean we can just go, we're free to do anything we want to do. Are you listening? You know, it means that we're free to be who he wants us to be. Uh, I won't preach long on that. You probably wouldn't like it. Anyway, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Let me proclaim that today. This is the acceptable year of the Lord. Guess what? If we get through this year and get to 2014 without Jesus coming, I'll still be preaching. This is the acceptable year of the Lord. Because every year is the acceptable year of the Lord. Every year. And the day of vengeance of our God. Ooh, A lot of folks want to leave that part out, don't they? To comfort all that mourn. I love that little word, A-L-L. To comfort all. How many you know you're part of all? Yeah, me too. I love verse three. This is where I'm going to preach a little bit today. To point unto them that mourn in Zion. Now, let me explain that a little bit. Mourning doesn't mean like mourning and we're all sick and worried and all of that. Mourning means like we're looking so forward to the coming of the Lord. We're we're really mourning the 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 situation the world is in. Because we, our, our spirit is groaning, if you, if you please, with things that cannot be uttered because we're waiting for Jesus to come. And you know what? The whole world is quaking and shaking, waiting for Jesus to come. To appoint unto them morning Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, and everything is for one purpose, that he might be glorified. Please don't see us here today. See Jesus. It's all about glorifying Him. It's all about glorifying Him. Let me ask you a question. I don't know how you all do over here. But do you all have like um, flea markets? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, What do you call them? Do you have garage sales and all that where people put stuff out in their driveway and you sell stuff that (laughs) you still... You sell stuff, and you go down and buy treasures. That you sell to the next yard sale and become junk. Is that uh, yeah. anyway? But you sell. It's it's it's. We make trades. How many of you like trading? Trade. Come on, trading. You know. But we have a lot of the flea markets, and a lot of people will actually trade. They trade knives, or they trade watches. You know, the old guys will sit around with their little stopwatches, their pocket watches. And they'll all be trading and back and forth. A great place to talk about that is in Israel. Okay, do you ever go to the sheep market? Yeah, on the corner of that building there where they kind of... And, and all the little shepherds call their sheep by name into this little place. And then you hear them screaming and yelling at each other. And they're bar They're not screaming They're bartering. Okay, they're trading. You know, and all of a sudden they'll make a trade. And they'll call this little sheep. And he'll come over and he'll give them to him. And, you know, they're just trading. You know, I love trading. I love bartering. I know a, fri- a friend of mine who's in the ministry in the U.S., he hadn't bought anything in years. He just traded for it. He traded a helicopter one time. He was able to, somebody gave him a helicopter. He traded for restaurant food for 20 years. I, I mean, this guy is a, is a trader, and he, the phone company, how many, of you know the phone company, you know, th- their phone bills are kind of high sometimes. Of course, a lot of folks don't even have phones anymore. Everybody's got cell phones. But the real phone company where they, they, you know, they have real wires and all of that, he's never paid a phone bill in 25 or 30 years. He trades wire to the phone company for phone charges. The guy is phenomenal about trading. We have anybody like that? Somebody's already pointing to somebody over there. I saw it. We have folks like you like trading. What's a great? What's a really good trade? Come on, Pastor. What's a good trade? Let's just say if I trade you, if I trade you a, a really nice pair of boots for these shoes. Okay. I actually have a pair of shoes just like that. I actually left them in. in uh, where did I leave them? Jersey, I think. Wherever we were. But anyway, so I'm going to, me and Pastor, we're going to make up a trade. Okay, we're going to talk back and forth. You know, these are the greatest boots, man. They're from Nashville. They are so good. And, and you know, you, you, actually, you should not just trade even. You should trade me and give me money. Okay? And uh, then, but I really want those shoes. Okay? And he really wants my boots. And so we come to an agreement. That finally we're just going to trade even, okay? Now, what I ask you is, who got the best deal? The man with the boots. No, who got the best deal? Both of us. Both of us. I got what I wanted. He got what he wanted. Don't you believe that's the best deal? When everybody gets what they want? You ever You ever been somewhere and bought some? Let's go, ladies. How many shopping ladies do we have here? You love to shop. Okay, good. It's okay. Put your hand up, ma'am. The guy sitting next to you will not bother you. Just go ahead. Anyway, so he's, uh, let's just take some of you ladies. Let's just say you bought a really nice uh, sweater like this young lady has on right here, this nice little tan sweater, tan or brown or sepia or whatever they call it, you know. Uh, She got this nice little sweater. Uh, Well, this young lady over here, what's your name, honey? Nora? Nora? Laura, as in "Tell Laura, I love her." That's good. Laura <clears throat> I'm sorry, y'all don't remember that 50s song, do you? Oh, you do. Good. <clears throat> so Laura, she goes to this same store, and as she paid uh, 15 pounds for this sweater, probably not. Probably more. <laughs> Let's just say, she paid 15 pounds for this sweater. She was pleasantly happy with it, right? But Laura, Miss Trader Lady, she goes over and she starts talking to the salesperson over there, and she gets a better deal. And she gets that same exact sweater for 10 pounds. What's your name, honey? Allison. Allison. Allison is now not happy, right? Now, she had a deal. She was happy with what she got. But then Nora came along and said, Hey, I got... I got that same thing for 10 pounds. And now Allison is not happy because she didn't get a good a deal. But before she knew Nora got this for this, she thought she had a good deal. You understand what I'm saying? Some people get really fickle and changeable if somebody else got a better deal. Tell you the good thing about Jesus. You get the same deal and it's always good. Amen. Anyway, so you say, well, what in the world does that have to do with the scripture? Everything. Because when we look at this scripture that just disappeared from my place here. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, so let me tell you what kind of a thing it is. Can I just tell you today, God wants to make a covenant with you, He wants to make a, a trade with you. Okay? People say, a, a trade? Yeah, God wants to give you the very best deal you can have. So he gave us Jesus. Okay? Now, that's, that's the greatest deal you can ever... It didn't matter what it cost you. The price was right. Okay? But let's talk about this. God wants to give you... He wants to trade something with you today. Okay? Let's look at what he wants to trade. In verse 3. The first thing he wants to trade you is beauty for ashes. Isn't that what it says? Look at the word there. Beauty for ashes. What does that mean? That means shoes for boots. That means sweater for money. It's always a trade. Beauty for ashes. In other words, what God is saying to us today is he wants you to give him all those burnout parts of your life that really don't matter, that are giving you nothing but trouble and are all dead in your life. He says, give me those parts and I will give you beauty in their place. Wow, who in the world would not want to make a deal like that? I mean, who in their right mind wouldn't make a deal like that? I can give you all the bad stuff. All the stuff that doesn't, that's really dead in my life, that's now turned to ashes. I can give you that and you'll beautify every part where that was. What a deal. How many of you think that's a good deal? As long as you've got the beauty. Do you know what I can tell you? If you got the ashes, you wouldn't think that was a good deal, would you? But God thinks he gave you a good deal. He got what he wanted, and you got what you wanted. Because he got all those things out of your life. And he gave you beauty in their place. Ooh, what a deal. Now, who in their right mind wouldn't do that? Secondly, the oil of joy for mourning. Now, this is a different morning. This is morning like the miserableness, if you please. Uh, um, no matter what happened, you ever, you ever had something go wrong? It seems like every time you turn around, something else went wrong. Your washer broke down. You had a flat tire. You know, I mean, these things, instead of getting whiny about it, like we do whiny, you know that word, right? Just instead of getting really upset about it and worrying about it and all of that, just deal with it and go on and believe, and believe what God said that He gave you, okay, the oil of joy. This is the trade. He wants to give you all of this joy if you'll just give Him all this miserableness. Well, who wouldn't want to make a trade like that? Now, notice this. He didn't say just give you joy. But he to give you the oil of joy. If you travel much over in Europe, you'll find they'll give you, uh, uh, you can buy little perfumes, but you buy the oils, not the actual perfume. They buy the, uh, what do they call that, the essences, you know. And you buy these little things, because if you bought the whole bottle, it'd be big like this. But you buy these little things, and just take a little bit, because it's an essence. It's, a, it's an oil, okay. How many of you ever changed your own oil in your car? Okay, some of you. Have you ever watched somebody do it? Okay. I decided I was going to do it in my car one night, one day. I can do that. I've done it many times before. I was up in Canada, out in the middle of nowhere. There wasn't any jiffy lubes or whatever you guys have here. where well, you just drive in, they change your oil and all that. I was out in the middle of the woods we were staying with these people at their home and, and uh, so I bought all the stuff for my van and, and uh, I decided I was going to change the oil I knew how to do it, it wasn't a big deal so I just put on my sandals you know, my little, nice little suede sandals I had just bought, that were really really, really nice yeah, some of y'all are ahead of me already aren't you so I'm, I'm, and so I go over there, and I, I crawl, I, I, I pulled my little van up on a couple of handmade rack where <laughs> it wasn't a lift. It was two logs about this big around, and a little piece of wood up on it. You know, makeshift, what you have to do. And so I pull my van up on it. It was great. I did it just exactly right. Okay. So I crawl under there. Imagine me crawling under a car. I crawl under there, and I get that little plug, you know, that you turn out. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just envision it here. It's a little bitty plug, about that big around, and you just unscrew it. Well, generally what happens, if you're really good, you can unscrew it and pull it out before the oil comes out, right? If you're really good. I got it, what I thought was just the last thing... And I went to pull it out when I pulled my, my, it didn't come out. So I reached back up to get it came out in my hand. So here's all this oil now all over my hand. So I get up and, and, and it's all draining and it's all good. So I wipe my hands off. You know what happens when you get oil on your hand? It's not long that it's on every tool you have. It's on your car. It's on your clothes. It's everywhere, because it's oil. It just spreads everywhere. So I'm I'm not finished. i got to pour oil back in it. So I roll it off the little ramps. I throw those back in the woods. And I, I'm up there, and I come up to the front of my car like this, and I'm reaching over, pouring oil in it after I put the plug in it now. I'm reaching over, pouring oil in it. I'm feeling something kind of oozy in my feet. And I walk back in here, about this far back on my sandal, it's black. Because I'd stepped in the big puddle of oil I had just drained out of my car. So I don't change my own oil very much. But I want to use that as an example to tell you, oil just gets all over everything. So when God trades us, gives us the oil of joy... It means it's joy that gets all over not only you, but everybody around you, all your stuff, even your dogs get happy. You know, even your cat gets joyful, but everything around you gets all this joy. And I want you, you ever want to do something really funny? If you really want to know how great it is, just go out in the middle of a bunch of folks and start laughing. The minute you start laughing, somebody else is going to start laughing. And then somebody, pretty soon everybody's laughing. They have no clue what they're laughing at. But they're laughing. I know some of you have done this before. Walk out and just look up. And then everybody else starts looking up. What are they looking at? What are they looking at? And then you look around and say, look at all these crazy people just looking up in the air for nothing. And then everybody's happy. You see God wants joy. You know, it's the joy of the Lord that's our strength. It's not just the joy that he gives us, but it's the joy he has when he knows that he has blessed us and we've received it. It's his joy, and he loves us so much, he wants us to not only be joyful, but he wants to give us the oil of joy that will spread everywhere we go to everything we touch. That's what he wants to do. The oil of joy for mourning. But all we have to give up are just the miserable parts of our life. The things we really don't want anyway. How many of you had at least one time in your life you had something miserable you didn't want to have in your life? All right. The rest of you are perfect from birth. Okay. Tell us how you did that. So anyway, so we've made these two great deals. How many of you know that... Anybody in their right mind is going to make a deal like that. I'm going to give up on my miserableness for all of, this, all of this oil of joy. Wow. And look at this last one. To give them beauty for ashes. You know, give you burnout parts of your life. He'll give you beauty. Give him all your miserableness. He'll give you oil of joy. And look at this last one. He'll give us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Just make the trade. Some of well, I don't know what that means. Spirit of heaviness. How many of you know at first it's a spirit? That's right. How many of you know the spirits can't be dealt with in natural ways? That's right. So therefore, you've got to have something more. <laughs> the word heaviness, there is a very interesting word. In its original, it means depression. Yes. How many of you know that the world today is filled with a lot of depression? Yes. Yes. I mean, everywhere you go, some you ask somebody, Man, what's wrong? Well, the doctor said I'm depressed. Well, are you? Well, I guess. Well, no, you don't guess about being depressed. You know. And God says, what he'll do for you, Jesus will give you, if you'll give him that spirit of depression, that thing that's controlling you, And believe me, church, it's in churches rampant today in the world, the spirit of depression. It's everywhere. People watch the news and they get depressed. Why do we have 18 locks on all of our doors? And then we have a security system to make sure that in case the locks don't work. You know, we've all, we're all not all, but many people paranoid about what might happen and and, you know, I'm going to do this because I'm afraid that, I'm afraid some car is going to run into my house or I'm going to put up a bigger wall. Can anybody besides me and a few other folks realize that the enemy is trying to isolate you from everybody else? Did you know that you can actually sit in your house? Give you an example. I know a guy and he did this. He bought a house online bought a house online imagine that and he moved into the house there was nothing in it all he took in was his computer he bought furniture online had it delivered he bought food online and had it delivered for one year one full year he never stepped outside his house and he had everything delivered you know, the enemy wants you to do that and isolate yourself away, especially from the people of God. Amen? So God says here that if you'll give him that spirit, and remember it's a spirit, so you can't deal with it with Prozac. You all know Prozac? If it's not the number one, it's the number one or two drug in the world right now that people are using. Tagamet. Anybody know Tagamet? That's the one for the ulcers and stress and all of that. You know, because people are depressed and stressed out. Jesus said, if you'll just give me all that depression, give me that spirit of depression, I will give you a garment of praise. Wow. I have a question. Let me show you something really important. We made this trade now, okay? Not in fact yet, but in, in talking. I traded my boots for his shoes. Now I ask you, what difference does it make whether I give him the boots first and he gives me the shoes back or he gives me the shoes first and I give him the boots back? What difference does that make? None. The trade is still the same. So we're all waiting for Jesus... To give us the garment of praise. And he's waiting for us to give him the spirit of depression. Well, if he'll do it, I'll do it. Well, wait a second. That would make this contract null and void. If I say, I'm not going to do it until you give me them shoes. Amen? Everybody getting that? See, that's what we do. So he said, I'll give you the garment of praise for the spirit of evidence." How many of you when you were a little kid didn't want to go to school and you acted sick? Come on, let's all be honest. I see some of you doing this but afraid to raise your hand. That's all right, I understand it. You know, what did you do? Were you really, really, really too sick to go? Or did we kind of, we just didn't want to go so we kind of acted, there you go, acted like we were. And you know what? Most of the time, moms and dads and everybody else couldn't figure you out, and they, okay, you're sick, stay home, go to bed. But after a while, they figured you out, didn't they? When the as center as school started, you're up watching TV or doing something else, and, you know, feel good enough to go out and play and all that, but you didn't feel good enough to go to school. Understand? So what happens here is, it doesn't matter. If I, if, God, if, if I know that God has given me the garment of praise, right? How many of you know that it says he has given us the garment of praise? Okay, we have that. But the problem is, it's over here hanging in my closet. So, I have it, but it's doing me absolutely no good. Now, notice what he says here. Remember that, remember the song, I may ever sing this song, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Y'all may ever sing that song? Put on the garment of praise. That's a command, put it on. When I was a kid, when I acted like I was sick, you know what my mother said? You're putting on. So act like you got the garment of praise. Begin to praise God. Well, I don't feel like it. Who said that had anything to do with feeling? I may not feel like putting on this garment right here. But if I know it's going to make me full of praise and joy and all these other things, I'm going to put it on. So I put it on. Now, sometimes I actually act like I'm putting a garment on when I really want to praise God. Because sometimes I just don't feel like it. So you just do it. (coughs) And you begin to... Act like you got it. You know what I found out? If you go ahead and act like you got it, the devil don't know. He'll leave you alone, let you go ahead and praise God. But our problem is we want to, we want to wait till the spirit of heaviness is gone. So here's the deal today. Who in their right mind would not want to trade the spirit of depression for a garment of praise? Do you know what I figured out? People aren't in their right mind. Because if they're in their right mind, they have the mind of Christ. And if they're in their right mind, what they do is they give up those ashes to get beauty. They give up that mourning and that miserableness to get oil of joy. And they give up that spirit of depression by putting on the garment of praise. You already have it. It's already yours. Just as surely if this man is trustworthy and I am trustworthy and we make a deal sitting right here today for me to give him a pair of boots and him to give me a pair of shoes, that deal is already done. Whether we actually have that in our possession, holding on to it, doesn't matter. We still have it. And a God who cannot lie says, you have the garment of praise. That's what he gave it to us for. Do you know he gave us the garment of praise so that we would not have to have the spirit of depression? Anybody can just praise God. I'm not talking about just praising God. We praise God in the service. We praise God. But I'm talking about putting on the garment of praise where every single thing you do, you're praising him and everybody sees it. Because you wear it. (coughs) You don't just do it. You don't just have it in your closet. So what about you today? What about you? What about me? We've got some burnout places in our life we'd like to get rid of. All you got to do is give them up. And God will replace them with beauty. How about this? Anybody got any? Don't lift your hand. But if you've got any miserableness in your life you just like to get rid of, just hand it over. And the Lord says he'll give you an oil of joy, and it'll spread everywhere. You won't have to put that on. It'll just be there. And if you have depression in your life, put on the garment of praise. You already have it, folks. Act like you got it. And the enemy will not know the difference, and he will take it away from you. The, the, the spirit of heaviness. You'll just give it up by putting on. The minute I put on the garment of praise, the spirit of heaviness must go. Because that's the trade. One for the other. The minute I give up the ashes, beauty must come because that's the trade. The minute I give up the miserable things in my life, joy has to come because that's the trade. Amen? Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elim Church. For more downloads or to
1: contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelim.co.uk.